And the awkward intro again, once again. We've got to figure out the timing on that, Raheel. Welcome into No Labs, David Nuno and Raheel Ramzanali here. Raheel, you went to a, a talent coach, I'm assuming, because you open up always with a smile. You're always like, you're always ready to smile, man. You're just because happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. When, okay, when have you seen me not smile that you can actually talk about? Because there's moments that, yes, I'm like, people call me the happiest person in media, but there are moments. You've seen me at bad moments. Pause. Who calls you the happiest person in media? I think that's a... Oh, everybody. You've made commentary up for yourself. Absolutely. Everybody calls me the happiest person in sports media. And now everyone. All right. Everyone. Like, I, I would like, I'd love for people in the comments today to say, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Raheel's the happiest guy I've ever met. Really? Yeah. No, come on, man. But um, not happier than Pooja. That's a fact. Nobody in the history of television Ooh. has been happier than Pooja. Oh, that's a good one. Pooja is really happy. And she's good at her job, so she's, she should be happy. Like, you know who's not happy? People that aren't good at their jobs. Fair? I mean, I'm not <laughs> overly happy, bro. Like, I don't like to smile. Like, I've, I've had so many viewers be like, hey, why don't you smile on your – because I feel stupid. Can I say stupid on a podcast? Yeah, I think it's okay. Like, like you're supposed to smile before you start talking about the Astros. Like, hey, and the Astros lost their fourth straight game. Like, I, it just doesn't feel natural to me. What's up, Cecil? Welcome to the show. Uh, it just doesn't feel natural. But you you put a, you put posed a very good question to start the show. Are we going to get college football? I think it depends on where you live, Raheel. Um, and hello, Crystal. We, we appreciate you joining us. Because in, in the grand scheme of things, Heezy, can you believe the SEC is going to be like, no. Nah. Sorry, guys. You up there in the North, you in the MAC, you in the West, you in the Big Ten, you guys want to – cancel college football we'll just play each other we're fine we're the south I, I i just can't see the sec saying no yeah and they've already made that adjustment to their schedule right they've added a few more sec games to every sec team's schedule so they're not playing out of conference they're staying within their own conference now they've already announced the schedule they're going to announce the times uh here pretty soon but for example texas a&m added florida right at uh, college station so that's an additional game that they added there so they they they're moving forward i agree with you with the sec right they don't need the big 10 they don't need the pac 12 or the big 12 um to get things going and to have college football but the issue now turns into what happens if the pac 12 they're going to decide here pretty soon they have a call coming up on tuesday i believe according to cbs sports so they're going to decide, and things are not good on the West Coast right now. So they will decide if they move forward. But what happens if the Pac-12 says no, and then the Big Ten says no as well? So is the SEC just going to play their conference, yep. crown a champion, and then there's no playoffs? Because you can't have the playoffs without two of the major five conferences. I, I cannot see the SEC at this point. Uh, canceling their season. Not, not, I'm not saying that I agree or disagree, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I just can't see it. Um, and, and and by the way, brings me up. I, I hate to, I don't mean to subtweet, by the way, uh, Richard says hook em horns. I disagree with that methodology. But um, no, it's right here. <laughs> you know who old uh, Big Sarge is? Yeah. Okay, so Big Sarge, I was going to call him out on, on, on Twitter because he loves to say stuff and I love him. He's a good dude. Uh, but he, he was trying to understand why AM, you know, eight years later went to the SEC. They're, he's like, they're, they're not any closer to winning a national championship. Well, it was stupid. It was black. What, what, however he phrased it. Um, do you, as a Longhorn Raheel, understand why AM made the move to the oh, SEC yeah. in the big picture financially? Um, you know, by the way, AM and Texas have been pretty much the same quality program since they left. They both have had their bumps in the road and they both have some, some good moments. Um, 
so I understand. It, it's just funny, like maybe because I'm so insulated in the situation, mm-hmm. kind of like when you um, when Mac was getting fired, there was a lot of people around the, the world were like, why would Texas fire Mac? But inside you guys felt a certain way because of it. Hindsight's 2020 20, should have probably never let go of Mac. But I, I think sometimes you can be too, too inside. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with A&M leaving. Like you were in, in that Big 12, a, Texas was getting their ne- their network. Oklahoma was attached to Texas as well. You were kind of lost in the shuffle in terms of like, where do you rank in the Big 12? How much power do you have? And when the SEC comes calling, which is the best conference for football, like there's no arguing that, you go. And it, it doesn't mean that you're making that move for a national championship because look, Oklahoma has come out of the Big 12 how many times, right, with losses and not one, but they at least get into the the final four, right? So it it wasn't a national championship move. It was a relevant move. Like you're going to become more relevant. And look at that. You get the financially too. Yeah, financially, you win the Heisman right right out the gate with Manziel. Um, There's a lot of hype. You're on, you know, you've got big games and all that. So it it was the right move. You, You absolutely make that move. It's not about being closer to a national championship. It, it is harder in the SEC, but you also get the benefit of the doubt in the SEC. You can lose a game or two, and if you you uh, win out in the SEC, you you're still probably in the Final Four. So that's what it's for. As an apologist for A and M, I will also say that Clemson has uh, anointed A and M as their toughest game the last couple of years. So I mean, I'm just saying, like, there is that. Like, you have to take on mm-hmm. an ACC team, but um, not to make this a talk show from 2012. Uh, we're going to talk to Chris Alvarez here in a moment. He's from, from the Bay Area, KGO out there, San Francisco, Oakland affiliate, ABC family. Looking forward to talking about this. Actually, I am. when I first initially called out to Chris about doing the show, I was thinking this could be a good weekend of sports. you got like, first place Oakland, second place Astros. Everybody hates the Astros, but we love the Astros. Mike Fires is, you know, of course he's not going to pitch against the Astros. There was a lot of good reasons. The Astros are terrible right now, bro. Like, And for good reason. But it's not the reasons we expected them to be terrible right now. We didn't expect Altuve to forget how to bat. We didn't expect for Bregman to struggle at the bat. We didn't expect that um, George Springer was going to be injured and also uh, have some problems hitting. We didn't expect that these young pitchers would do so well, and they haven't been the problem. The problem has been at the end of games. Yeah, it's been the execution. It's been certain moves by Dusty Baker, right? Like Dusty is getting a lot of heat from fans and the media of – some of the late moves that he's making regarding wins, right? Like you, it, now it comes down to management skills and the right moves because it's great that you are here and you won't take uh, no BS from anybody and we're going to fight back and all that stuff. That's great. But when it comes down to baseball moves, it's been a roller coaster for Dusty Baker right now. And that's what fans are upset about. Like, hey, what is happening here, right? Like some of the decisions. So that has been a huge issue. The Astros, you know, you, you can go back to a lot of the losses from the last week. The fourth inning against the Diamondbacks, you had the lead and then you give up nine runs. Extra innings against Oakland on Friday. You go, man, you make certain moves. There's a chance you win that one. So there's a lot of different things going on. And it's it's rough right now. And the Astros need a win in the worst way right now. Because of the shortened season, because of who's ahead of you in Oakland, you get today's win and you just kind of even things out and hopefully make another run of wins here. Hey, can we have heart-to-heart with our viewers? Yeah, absolutely. Those, those that are actually paying attention. So Elizabeth Barton, um, and I don't know if she wants me to say her last name, but she's she's commenting on the Facebook feed. Uh, can you pull that one up for us, Raheel? I want to read this out loud. 
and, and then commentate. Hey, guys, my first time hearing you, but, capital letters, I gave up watching sports completely when the Dallas Cowboys went south. Ha! I do want to be informed, and I love the way you guys represent. Thank you. Elizabeth touches on something that she brings the Cowboys up, but I've heard a lot of people giving up on sports recently because of the political landscape that we're in right now. And I still watch sports for the drama of sports. You know, the the pregame stuff, the T-shirts, the the movement. I, I, I think when you have a the ability to have a movement, that's great. But I am not tuning in or out because of the kneeling or the, the T-shirt that somebody's wearing. I, I, I watch for the drama to unfold. I watch for the athletes that I love to perform at the highest level. I watch just because it's something different than the talking heads. By the way, you should watch these two talking heads, the best out there in the business when it comes to internet television, sports shows that talk about nothing. But beyond that, like, you know, there's a lot of people who, who are saying they give up on sports. Watch sports for the sport, like for the actual game. You don't have to agree with their political take. Yeah, that's just, it's a weird thing because you you're so offended by something that happens in the pregame that does not impact your life that you're like, I don't want to watch sports now. I can't support this. That's and people are going to do that. There are going to be people that tune out and that's fine. But guess what? Sports moves on. You know what? Basketball is going to move on. The WNBA is going to move on. Major League Baseball, NFL, uh, NHL. I'm sure the NHL ratings must be out the roof right now. Right. Because they didn't kneel. Right. Like, I'm right. sure it is. Oh, I don't think they are. So like that's that's a weird thing. People are going to I haven't watched anything. I can't name you. I can't name you five teams that are still competing for a playoff spot in the NHL. Claude Lemieux. Mario Lemieux. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. No. Nope. Wayne Gretzky. Nope. Not nope. Hell. Yeah. Like you watch for the drama of sport. Yeah. Right. Like last night, the Bucks and the Mavericks. What a game. That yeah. was dramatic. That was a fun game. Right. You watch for that. And if you don't want to watch it, that's fine. You know, like there's a lot of different things to watch. I recommend, by the way, on Disney Plus, Blackest King, Beyonce's new film. Outstanding. What's up, is it Disney good? Plus? It is so good. It is so good. Um, visually, one of the best things I've seen in a long time. It is outstanding. But there's different things to watch. So if you don't watch, that's okay. It's not a big deal. But just imagine you're like, man, I really want to watch this Bucks. And Mavericks game. I want to watch Luka Doncic play. I want to play. I want to watch Giannis play. But I heard he was wearing a Black Lives Matter T-shirt before, so I can't watch. Like, imagine making that decision, right? That that's kind of weird to me. But I understand people are doing but, it. But the flip side, though, Raheel, mm-hmm. the flip side is people are giving up on you if you're wearing a Make America Great Again too, though. So there is both sides yep. of this. So like people, like people, there are some people who hate Kanye West. Because of kind of you know we, we we've loved his music since day one, but he has done some things that have made depending on what you believe the other side be like I'm done with Kanye. What's gone that, with it? That's a very fair statement. Yes, absolutely. Like I and I just used Black Lives Matter because that's what the Bucks and um, the Mavericks were wearing. But you're absolutely correct. Imagine just going, man. I really want to watch this sport. I really want to watch this matchup. I'm so interested in it, and I'm hyped for it. But because he was making, uh, because he was wearing a MAGA hat, I can't watch it now. Like that to me is the weirdest thing. It's strange. I can't relate to that. But I do understand that people are making these decisions, and that's fine. Uh, to me, like I like sports. You like sports. I like the drama of it. Everything you laid out. I want to watch certain matchups. So I'm not going to tune out because somebody did something in pregame. Like that, it's a foreign concept to me. Hey, I got a question. Uh, we're going to bring Chris mm-hmm. Alvarez on from KGO in a second. Bruh, the term bruh. I see a lot of people on the on the comments using the term bruh. I love that word. When did bruh 
become acceptable for everybody to use guy to guy, girl to guy, girl to girl, like bruh. It is it has become was, part of the lexicon. It was about 2015 it became acceptable when uh, Merriam-Webster allowed it and put an official uh, definition in the dictionary. The, I have the answers. Day. I have Fakes answers. of the day. Yeah, I no, have answers. That's Chris, what I do. we like bruh. You don't have to apologize. And James, uh, again, we get this one every day. Who cares? There are more important stuff going on. Oh, exactly. Yeah. What temperature do you put your house at? I, we're, we're a 72, 74 family. Excuse me. I just did it. I just changed mine right now because it was getting a little hot because of my spicy takes. It was getting a little hot here, so I had to cool down. Um, can I do one thing on college football real quickly Hold before on. we? Shut yeah. off. You did a humble brag right there because not everybody's got the technology on their phone, the chain. Like I, I have to actually go and like, like see humble. No, brag da- David, you're just way behind. This is not like this isn't Iron Man technology. Okay, this is readily available for everybody. You just don't have it. This is don't shame me for having a uh, nest. Okay, this is literally you can buy one for like fifty bucks now. This is on you. <laughs> no way. I'm not gonna take the shame on this one. Can you set it up at my house for me, please? Oh, I had to call. I, I had to like get somebody from Twitter who owns an HVAC company to call me. And I was like, dude, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I was so afraid I was going to blow up my entire house. So I'm with you. I'll, I'll give you that guy's number if you want to set it up. Let, Bruh, I wanna do, one, do it. <laughs> Bruh, I got you. So college football. Okay, there's yeah. this weird thing going on in college football right now. We talked about it where it's not weird that you know conferences are canceling the season. It is weird to me that... We are now starting a thing on Twitter and on social media where, you know, personalities, sports personalities are blaming other sports personalities and journalists for canceling the season. And they just want like it's they they're saying that when the season gets canceled, all the people that said it was going to get canceled are going to humble brag. It to me is like, wait, you're going to humble brag because they're humble bragging, right? Like, it's the strangest thing to me. Like, sports media personalities, while we have an important role, while we have um, a role in terms of questioning things and getting answers, we're not exactly, we're not the policymakers. Presidents aren't going to cancel a season because David Nuno tweeted something or Raheel Ramzanali tweeted something or Chris Alvarez tweeted. Like, come on, guys. What are we doing? It's so weird that we're taking what is something so serious. And turning it into social media fake points. I, well, I, I just hate it. Well, I'll say this. Um, somebody brought up, and, and Chris, you must hate us right now. Any second, we're going to pull you on the show. Um, they say that, you know, if they were reporting on the flu all the time about how many people were dying, we would be, but they don't. So we just go about our lives and it's been normal. But I know this for a fact. Growing up, my dad would say, oh, there's been two or three accidents at that light. Every time, even to this day, at 44 years old, I drive by that light. I'm like, we're real careful. Because if you have information, you have that you use that information to make your decisions moving forward. And we got a lot of information that is, by the way, evolving and changing daily. Uh, let's stop from the CNN, Fox News, ABC News show and move it now to a sports show. We're going to go up to... San Francisco and Oakland area. Chris Alvarez of KGO. What's up, Chris? Hey, can you guys hear me? Nah. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. he's messing with Chris. Don't do it. Not on air. Not live, David. The reason, what are you doing? The reason I said that was because, uh, you know, my speakers got blown out, so I had to put the headphones in. Uh, I oh, don't. Wow. And yeah, I'm not like Raheel where I have the temperature. It's 66 in San Francisco, though. I'm good at that kind of stuff. Wow. Oh, look you, at that. Yeah. Do you just have yeah, the just windows open? Are you just going? Are you going? Yeah, windows, windows open. open. Window, you know, Man. we don't have air conditioners up in here in the Bay Area because it's it's usually so cold. 
And there's a couple days a year where you might need it, but they don't have any air conditioners here. That's so that when I was in London last year, uh, David, you went as well for you went later on for the Jacksonville game. But that was such a foreign concept to me that they don't have ACs because we're you know, we grew up in Houston and yeah. every room has like you better be at 60 degrees because it's so hot outside. <laughs> but in London, I was like, man, where's the AC unit? Can you guys make it a little bit cooler? And you're like, no, we don't have it. Cars don't even use their AC as well. Yeah, well, I grew up in Fresno, so I, I understand. I've never been to Houston, actually, but I know it's hot there and it can get humid, so uh, you got to have ACs in those places. But I'm excited to join the show and was enjoying your guys' conversation. you got a real nice production here, guys. Buddy, we are yeah. so technical. Don't even forget it. I mean, we've got such a, a huge staff. I don't get a bruh. Come on, bruh. Okay. I don't want the bruh. Bruh. Hey, uh, Chris, so, you know, I, you heard in the intro, I was really looking forward to talking to you, especially mm -hmm. because – these, this Oakland series, from a Houston perspective, for Oakland has been fantastic, right? Yeah. But from a Houston perspective, this was a chance for a team that has been slapped around for a while, uh, at least from the national narrative, to play some meaningful baseball. It has been a bad weekend, and, and for good reasons. They've been injured. They've uh, not hit the ball well. Oakland's played well. Uh, but when we talk about this Oakland-Houston I don't even know if rivalry is the right word right now, but the whole Mike Fires fiasco, how is Mike looked upon in, in the uh, Bay Area? Well, I think, uh, I mean, that was a really hot topic back in spring when things were somewhat normal. Um, I think that he's looked upon fine. I mean, I think at this point here, at least in the Bay Area, we've forgotten all about that. That was February's news and we had a whole pandemic and things are just a lot different, as, as you well know. So I think it's kind of blown over and we're just happy to have sports back. And now the thing is, uh, can we get through the season healthy? You're always just wondering about the Marlins and the Cardinals. And uh, I was in Oakland, I think it was you lose track of time, but mon that Monday when the Marlins news hit where they had 17 guys and I was going to the Coliseum and I kind of felt that day like baseball could get canceled. The same moment I had when I was in San Francisco uh, the day before the NBA got shut down, the Warriors announced early in the day before Rudy Gobert uh, tested positive that they were going to play the next day with no fans. So it had that eerie feeling like, oh, we're going to do this again. We just got sports back. So to answer your question about Mike Fires, it's kind of not really much of a thought out here. The A's are playing well. Um, they're the hottest team in baseball. They have eight straight wins. Everything's kind of clicking for them right now. And obviously this Houston series in a shortened season to have a four-and-a-half game lead, if they get a sweep today, that's a big deal. But there's still some time left. The, 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 the Giants are coming to Houston. San Francisco has been struggling a little bit. So um, maybe you guys can get it right there. San Francisco on a 10-game uh, road trip, and this is a, a big point in their season. 60 games, you guys well know, it can get uh, late fast here for those teams. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's that, that's what we're talking about. Like today for the Astros, they need this win in the worst mm -hmm. way, man. Just a, one like mentally to get out of this, but also with the standings and shortened season. Um, if they lose this, it would be pretty sad from a Houston standpoint. But would it be sadder than the banner that flew on Friday? Was that the saddest banner that you've ever seen? Or did you even see it like before it went? I did see it. I saw that was uh, <laughs> gathering some traction up here in the Bay. Or I don't know if it was it just, you know, there was rumors that it was going to happen. <laughs> Uh, we had run it in our news a little bit at the end of the five o'clock because people had reached out to our news department. But, uh, you know, it is what we, it is. I saw it on Friday. And I'm like, <laughs> look, and by the way, Astros fans, stop complaining. You, you're everything that's all the jokes, the banners, uh, you know, Ro, uh, Rob Lowe wearing a cap, all that stuff. You can't complain about me. it. Like, we're cheaters. Like, guys, we cheated. We got caught. Okay. I didn't cheat. You no, didn't you, cheat. Okay. No, no. But we, we supported cheaters, David. That's what happens. <laughs> we, okay. we can't we can't be upset we can't be upset about everything let me pause everybody here question 
So what's going to happen if we find out, and we're going to find out more information about the Yankees and the Dodgers and mm-hmm. all the all these little people wearing their little asterisk hat, right? What's going to happen when we find that their team was doing it too? It, it, all of a sudden, like, oh no, it was different. The Astros were first, but they didn't win. They didn't win the title. That's the problem. Well, the Red Sox had the had the watches, yeah the Red right? Sox yeah like. The, the Red Dodgers Sox, are the team that's most upset in these in this scenario. Yeah, so like that banner, people were so upset about it on Twitter. Like, oh, I can't believe you guys did. Stop. We every single joke comes our way. You got to take it. That that's just part of it now. Um, you know, and that like, do you catch any of the Astros hate anytime you tweet anything about the Astros from Astros Twitter? You know what? I don't tweet a lot of hate just because uh, that's not what I do. But I do notice I have a lot of friends. I grew up in Fresno and, you know, you're in here in the Bay Area. So I have a lot of Dodgers fans and a lot of Dodger fans follow all those Astros, any account on Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter. And so they'll send me different things. But Astros shame. I don't even know what they're all called, but uh, I'm sure you guys know much better than me. But uh, it's definitely a thing that they're still bitter about. I, I have to ask you guys because I'm so used to asking questions. I don't mind if I ask a when you guys were covering this spring training scenario in February, did you feel that their apologies were legit? I mean, out here, at least I mean, you guys are so close to it. What did you guys feel about when, when they were apologizing? Did it feel real? So I was at spring training with the Astros during it. And uh, I will say a couple things. First off, their initial day was not well orchestrated, right? Yeah. I think Jim Crane put the players in a poor position by bringing them up. And then everybody thought, oh, the press conference is done and not realizing that you could go in the clubhouse and talk to the players too. It seemed, it just was not planned correctly. Uh, but I know these guys and I think, yeah, I think they were sincere, but they also are like, the, the, the way I take it, and, I, and I'm not saying that I have insider information here. The way I take it is like, yeah, yeah, we messed up, but so did you. Like, that's how I feel like it. Like, yes, I'm sorry. We shouldn't have done it, but we were told the Yankees were doing it. We were told the Dodgers were doing it. We were told everybody was doing it. That's the kind of feeling I got like, yeah, we got caught. We shouldn't have. We made a mistake. Um, and, and, and then people who say that Alex Bregman became quiet all of a sudden don't know Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman's never been he, – he'll look in the camera and do something fun, but he's never been a big talker. Um, Carlos Correa has always been well orchestrated with his thoughts. George Springer is just a goofball because he likes being fun. And the, those guys have not changed your style. I think they apologized. Um, I think it got bigger than anybody thought it was going to get, even from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, at that point, you kind of have to embrace the villain role. Yeah, I mean, I probably, that's probably a good point. And I think uh, a lot of fans, at least across the country, remember seeing the beginning, all the signs, and then they would take them out of the spring training. We don't know what that what the season would have been like for the Astros because there's no fans around at all. Yeah. So it's, it, it, maybe they catch a break this year. Chris, I was at that game where they took pictures of mm-hmm. fans being removed, the signs being removed inside of the uh, – what's the name of that ballpark? Wherever the Astros and Nationals share – I'm sorry for forgetting it. Fit, fit ballpark, I think it was called. Fit mm-hmm. team ballpark. Um but the, the truth is, and I talk to people who work at that stadium, you're not allowed to have signs there at all in the yeah. four years it's been open. It just became a bigger deal because sometimes they don't really notice the signs and it doesn't be, but because of it, it became a bigger deal. But that's yeah. always been a policy there. Yeah. Well, cool. Hey, yeah. Chris, uh, how would you rank right now the interest of the teams with your fan base? Like, how would you rank it with all the teams? Who's number one? Um, I would say the 49ers are number one. This is a 49ers town. When everything's right, uh, the Niners dominate the news. Obviously, they're coming off a Super Bowl run. We're waiting to see uh, if football even gets started, guys. I mean, I know we've been talking about in our sports department, yes, training camp and stuff has started, but they haven't hit each other yet. They're not in contact. So 
I got my fingers crossed the next two and a half, three weeks to see how many cases are going to come down. Um, I think it goes in ways, but I would say probably 49ers, Giants and Warriors are, are close. I'd say mo- more historically, probably the Giants, but the Warriors have always had a f- good fan base. I know people think that they jumped on the bandwagon in you know, this run over the last five to seven years. But if you look at the attendance when they've been bad at Oracle, they were top 10 in attendance. Those people come out almost like Cub fans do. Um, Oracle Park's one of the best ballparks in the world, in my opinion. Uh, the A's are very good. They just have always had trouble, as you guys know, keeping their guys being a low-budget team. They have great drafting. I mean, you, historically, they're good. It's just a matter of can they ever keep the guys or do they want to keep the guys? Um, we got the Sharks. We got, I mean, the, the great thing I hear you guys talking about the Astros and, and hearing some of your moves. Obviously, we love Dusty Baker up here from the Bay. Um, it's kind of tough to keep track of things sometimes. You're keeping track of two baseball teams. We had two football teams. Um, you guys obviously have a lot of sports down there, too, and, and college takes over as well. So um, it, it honestly depends on the person. I think there's fans that are San Francisco fans and there's some that are East Bay um, and they don't really cross over. I know uh, I grew up in Fresno, so I was a Niners and, and Giants guy, but I've never hated the A's and the Raiders. I've always respected them. So it depends on who you talk to. That Some people don't like to cross bays, though. Chris, uh, not, not to make this about the teeny scandal again, but I, I think it, it's relevant at the moment. Dave Stewart, who I, I met as a kid, uh, I love Dave Stewart. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the best I ever saw play. I was a diehard Oakland fan as a kid, more than the Astros as a as a 10, 11, 12 year old because of Jose Canseco. Sure. I'm Cuban and he was he was my favorite guy. Uh, Dave was, I believe, on Twitter kind of talking a little noise about the, the Astros recently. I forget exactly what he said, but he was talking about their cheating. And, mm-hmm. and then I, I guess some of the I don't know if you saw some of the flack he got was like, well, you were on the 88, 89, 90 A's that had. Yeah. The steroid era kind of started there, right? The yeah. back brothers with Jose. So I, 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 I don't know if you saw any of that, if that caught any traction out there. But I, I think you're going to find cheaters in almost any organization, unfortunately. Yeah, I actually didn't see that, but I can imagine where you were going. I could, I could almost tell. I'm like, I can predict what you're going to say right now, that there's going to be someone that says that. And, and like you said, there was the whole, you know, Balco up here and Barry Bonds. And so he's not in the Hall of Fame because whatever you want to say, you can make the argument he was a Hall of Famer before any of this happened. And I'm sure you guys have seen – all the long gone summer and the way maybe that was perceived as far as a documentary. I'm sure you guys watch those type of things and analyze them from a production hat. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's the whole uh, saying, if you're not cheating, you're trying, you're not trying. I don't know if I believe in that, but uh, it just depends on who you ask. Everyone kind of is biased to where they're from or who they like, and they want to put their spin on it. Uh, and let me just go ahead and, and say this real quick. Um, I am not endorsing. No, I don't. I, 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 but <laughs> I think we all put our goggles on for the perspective we want, right? So sure. uh, if if I was an Oakland fan in the 90s and the uh, late 80s, I could justify it because hey, everybody else is doing it. You know, like it, it's, it doesn't make it right by any stretch. Right. Uh, there should have been a punishment. I'm glad there was a punishment for the Astros and, and anybody who else does it. Uh, but I think we all, as a fan, we, we, we find reasons to love Patrick Beverly when he's on your team, but then hate him when he goes to the other, just like Russell Westbrook here in Houston. People hated him here. Now he's like the greatest guy ever. Like this guy does no wrong. If James Harden leaves, everybody in Houston is going to be like, well, he couldn't win the big one. But here they'll defend that beard until the end of time. <laughs> I, I was curious to ask you about the bubble and what you think of the Rockets. I mean, they're playing well at the right time, but obviously there's a lot of time to go. The Lakers haven't looked good. What are your guys – I mean, what's your take there on the Rockets? And do they have a real 
shot at this thing. The Warriors are out. We were so used to that rivalry the last couple of years. We're missing it. But uh, what's the take on the Rockets out there in Houston? I think, I think the Rockets, one thing that is benefiting them right now is that they know what they are. Like, they know that we're a small ball. We know we're going to shoot a lot of threes. There's going to be a lot of ISO possessions. They know who they are. The Lakers right now are reeling because they're not sure who they are. They're not sure because they're trying to fit in some new role players. Uh, you know, the Rondo injury hurts them. He might be back by the first round, according to new reports. Um, you look at the Bucks as well. They're struggling right now because they're not sure who they are. Right? This is this. These games are serving a purpose of figuring out who you are. So by the time the playoffs roll around, maybe they figure things out. But the Rockets have the benefit of we know who we are. Uh, you look at Portland, they know who they are, and they're playing good basketball. You know who the Suns are. Um, so there's no reinventing the wheel on the fly uh, like, like it is for certain teams. So I think the Rockets have that uh, leg up right now because of that. Well, and, I'll, and I'll say this, look, until you do it when it matters, it doesn't matter, right? And, and the Rockets mm-hmm. have been an excellent regular season team the last few years. I think uh, well, it was a couple of years back they had 68, 65 wins, whatever it was. Um, they're a solid team that has gotten close to beating the Warriors in the past with Chris Paul and then <laughs> without everybody on the Warriors, they still lost. But uh, they have, they don't, they've lost, what is it, he'll help me out here. The Warriors, three out of the last four years and the Spurs once. So yeah. it, I, it looks like the Spurs aren't going to get in. It looks like, the, well, obviously the Warriors aren't getting in. So do I think that they have a chance? Absolutely. But it does boil down to somebody beyond James Harden carrying that team. They do have that with Russell Westbrook as long as he stays healthy. What about like just as far as like the shot making? I mean, you know, you saw the Warriors that, what was it, like the 0 for 27 or whatever that stretch was that was just historically crazy. Um, defensively, instead, there's always a talk about, at least I'm going from the national or like our perspective. Yeah. It's obviously a lot different than your inside perspective, but uh, they fascinate me for sure watching them. I watched that Bucks game on ABC and it was like, they're pretty they- impressive. They, they can be. Yeah, the the defense, like James and D'Antoni talked about it earlier this week, David, that he is focused more on uh, defense right now, James is. And you can tell, like, he's making a, 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 a real effort here, which is awesome. It's not just post-defense. He's making an effort on perimeter defense as well. And their their plan has always been, can you get big stops under five minutes? That's all it is. And that defense looks totally different as we've seen the comeback wins with the Mavericks and the Bucks. It looks totally different under uh, five minutes. That defense ramps up, and that's when they really start going all out. So, um, you know, there is a chance here, and I think the matchups do favor them. I, I don't think the Lakers are some unbeatable team. Uh, you see Anthony Davis go through stretches. Anthony Davis was horrible last game, right? And yep. they were playing. like This wasn't just a hey, you know, let's just kind of go uh, half speed here. No, they wanted to win that game. So Anthony Davis has issues. LeBron, uh, his scoring has not been the same as well. So we'll see, man. This is, uh, this is has be- a great of an opportunity because of the rest, because of the matchups for the Rockets to make a run and get to the finals. Hey, uh, Chris, man, well, we appreciate your time. I know we met at the World Series, yep. and uh, you're doing great work there in KGO. How long have you been in, in, in the Bay Area now? Two years? Uh, no, actually, just passed my one-year anniversary one like, year. the other day. Yeah, it, okay. it's, uh, it was going – I mean, it's, it's gone great, but six months I was riding that high at Super Bowl, Pebble Beach, and spring training, and, you know, a lot changed in the world. So, But I'm, I'm really happy. I've had a great opportunity to be here, and I hope I can come on with you guys again. I really enjoyed my time and would love to, you know, talk about whatever. So, yeah, man, let's do it soon. Uh, you're doing great work, and we will catch up very soon, Chris. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Appreciate that. Uh, Chris Albert, KGO there in the Bay Area.
uh, Oakland series going on for the Astros, not looking as good. Um, and uh, for the Astros, looking really good for Oakland. All right, Raheel, I'm going to intro our next guest because uh, he's done a lot for me uh, in my career. Uh, he's done a lot for the city uh, of, of Houston when it comes to soccer and his passion for the sport. Chris Kennedy joining us here. World Cup bid uh, president here in Houston trying to get the uh, World Cup games here. What's going on, Chris? Not much. How are you? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, man. Uh, so you, you and I have been catching up almost weekly on where Houston is and their chances of, of being a, a host city for this World Cup. Can you kind of take me through, since we have you know it's long-form uh, interviewing here, just kind of take me through how this has all kind of come together because you've been on the job now doing this, and we're starting to get into overtime right now. Absolutely. So just to remind uh, all your viewers, uh, David, it's been uh, over two years since North America was awarded the hosting rights for the 2026 FIFA World Cup. So um, it's been a while since we've known that the World Cup is coming to the USA, Mexico and Canada. But we're still in the process of trying to identify the 10 U.S. cities that are going to host the World Cup in 2026. So Houston wants to be one of those 10 cities. Uh, we are among 17 uh, candidates fighting for those 10 spots. And uh, it looks like we're about a year and a half away from a decision. It's been quite a lengthy process so far. And in fact, even though it's been two years since the decision was granted to North America, and it's been over a year and a half since I've been in this position, it's just been over the last few weeks when we've, when we've started to engage with FIFA and U.S. soccer directly on the process. So tell me the raw numbers of this. The U.S. will get 10 sites. How many will Mexico get? How many will Canada get? Because it is a joint bid across uh, all three countries, right? Yeah, Rahil, there's going to be 16 cities hosting the 2026 FIFA World Cup. There's going to be 10 in the U.S. There's going to be three in Mexico, and there's going to be three in Canada. The three in Mexico and Canada have already been predetermined. In Mexico, it's Mexico City, Guadalajara, and Monterey. And in um Canada, it is going to be Edmonton, Montreal, and uh, Toronto. So uh, those are all set. We're just uh, trying to figure out the 10 here in the U.S. Chris Canetti joining us here on the No Layers podcast. So, Chris, to me, it seems like a no-brainer. Obviously, you can't tackle your job that way. You have to fight for every inch to make sure that Houston – but, like, I'm thinking to myself, Houston is the most international city that I know. It's in the middle of the country. Uh, it has hosted big-time events all the time. From uh, soccer to Super Bowls, you name it, uh, you know, Gold Cup. You, we've done so much in this town, and you've been a big uh, part of that. What else does Houston have going for itself beyond the obvious that we all talk about? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right, David. We we have everything going. Uh, we have no weaknesses whatsoever, and we can't take anything for granted. You know, it's going to be stiff competition here. Uh, with these 17 cities fighting for 10 spots, you've got great cities like New York and Los Angeles, Miami, Atlanta. You know, so many great uh, candidates here for competition. And quite frankly, we don't even know what the criteria is at this point, right? Um, that's, at this point, we haven't been given um, the, the boxes to check. But again, we know that uh, we've got uh, lots of strengths in our favor. And to your point, we, we cannot take anything for granted. Um, you know, we've, we've hosted more major sporting events in this city than any other uh, candidate city since 2004, and you just went through them, Super Bowls, uh, Final Fours, Copa Americas, etc., World Series, All-Star Games. Uh, we've got all of the infrastructure in place with the stadium, the two international airports, the hotels, the convention centers, uh, you name it, the training facilities. We have it all. Uh, and we also have this great, diverse international community. So 
Uh, we go in this with a lot of strengths. We need to make sure that those uh, strengths are 100% communicated and that it's very clear to, uh, to the decision makers here that, uh, that what we have going here in Houston. I mean, even something as simple as saying we're the fourth largest city in the United States, you know, that's not something that's widely known. So, uh, you know, we have to go out there and, and be very strong in communicating uh, what we have going. Now, are there some cities in uh, in the 17 where you look at them, you're like, come on, like Tulsa, what are you doing? Or uh, Oklahoma City, <laughs> you're like, come on, bro. Hey, why don't you just go ahead and exit now? Are there some of those, like, what are the cities, right? Like the cities that you mentioned, obviously Miami, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, all those, those are cities that are going to make a run for this and they probably will get one. I think we will too. But are there some cities you go, hey man, let me just tell you right now, you're probably not going to get it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll list the 17 cities right now. You tell me if you see any, they're all very strong. We've got Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Nashville, Atlanta, Orlando, Miami, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, Cincinnati. Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> Great soccer down, Real. I know, job. I know, but come on, Cincinnati. Kansas City, Denver, L.A., San Francisco, and Seattle. So, again, that's a pretty good roster right there. It, every city you mentioned there has a lot of soccer culture there. Like Nashville, they're, you know, the new franchise, and uh, Seattle, obviously, what they've been able to do. Uh, Chris, there was, a, there was a time that people thought that maybe Houston, Dallas, and the Mexico angle, those areas being so close that it could hurt Houston, but that could actually be a position of strength as well, right? Well, that's how we see it. Um, you know, we're hopeful that it's not a situation where it's Houston or Dallas just because we're in the same state. I mean, we still happen to be 300 miles away from each other. And, uh, you know, if you assume that New York's going to get it and you look at the other cities in the Northeast, Boston, Philadelphia, uh, Baltimore and D.C., they are all within 300 miles of New York City. So although mm -hmm. uh, and they're all in different states. So um, I think just just because we're all in one state, I don't think should be held against us. We do see value um, of this geographic cluster between Houston and Dallas. And then you throw in the three cities in Mexico. Uh, to your point, David, there's there's that would put five cities you know, within a short distance from one another to get teams back and forth, uh, you know, FIFA officials, fans, you name it. So we're, you know, we're actually in favor of uh, that type of setup. And Dallas doesn't deserve one. I'll say it for you, Chris, don't pick <laughs> Dallas, pick Houston um, with. OK, so has it been determined who's going to get any kind of, uh, you know, the playoff spots? Or is that something that once you figure out the 10, then it goes from there? Like, where will the finals be held? And, yeah. Yeah. Has that been determined at all? No, that hasn't been determined. Uh, none of the games have been set in place anywhere. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we won't qualify for a semifinal or a final match because the stadium has to be 80,000 plus seats. So uh, realistically, mm. there's really only, I think, three situations that fit that right now. And it's L.A., Dallas and Houston and uh, New York. So, uh, it's, you know, we won't get a semi uh, semifinal or a final, but we will have six games where he'll come into Houston. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll get a couple of group stage games, and we assume and hope for a couple of knockout stage games up to the quarterfinals. Uh, and that'll all be over the course of, call it 21, 25 days. So, uh, you know how big the World Cup is and how popular it is. It would be like hosting six Super Bowls in Houston in the course of, you know, one month over, over a couple weeks. So, it's going to be a, a very powerful event for our community if we can bring it here. Chris, uh, strength in numbers, too. Talk a little bit about the board that you guys are continuing to add some big names to it. Jane Campbell this past week uh, joining the board. Uh, for those who don't know, Jane could have been the MVP 
of the NWSL tournament that just happened. Uh, Rachel Daly obviously got it, and she was phenomenal as well. But having big names who love soccer and love this community help in your process. Yeah. So, again, we've been up and running for a year and a half. And over that course of time, we've put our board together, lots of CEOs and uh, people from the soccer community and uh, civic leaders uh, make up our board. But over the last couple of weeks, we've brought some some soccer talent on, if you will, uh, in naming Demarcus Beasley, who's played in four World Cups and now lives in Houston, has been a resident here for the last six years uh, after playing for the Dynamo. Uh, so we love having him on the board and what he brings to the table. And just this week, we announced um, that Jane Campbell, the goalkeeper and co-captain for the Dash and uh, national team pool goalkeeper, uh, will be joining us as well. So we, we like bringing that diversity to the board. Uh, we like bringing uh, you know, professionals who know the game. And a big part of our, um, of our whole plan is a strategy called winning through soccer. And you talk about um, the fact that we've got all these great uh, pieces of infrastructure in place and, and tangible things. One of the intangible things we want to bring to the table is a strategic plan that we hope is unique and different to uh, from all the other cities. And we've titled it Winning Through Soccer. And a big part of Winning Through Soccer is growing the game. Uh, so it's great to have ambassadors like DeMarcus and Jane uh, on our committee who can focus on uh, aspects of our plan like that and growing the game of soccer, and in particular in some of the underserved communities. Man, that is awesome to hear. Jane is so great. Like, I can I can imagine her in a meeting, David. Like, anytime somebody throws up some numbers or something that don't make sense, she's just gonna block everything. She's just like, nope, that doesn't make sense. Nope, stop. I'm I'm one of the best goal goalkeepers here, so stop with the nonsense. She's phenomenal. It's great to see her uh, get that position, and then you guys so committed uh, as a committee and a board to really grow the game even more than it's already been growing here in the city and um, elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, look, Jane's a Stanford grad, and uh, you know she's really mm -hmm. smart and well educated, and um, she's very enthusiastic about joining this this committee, as is Demarcus. So, um, you know, it's great to bring people who are very passionate about the game, and when they when they you know set their sights on something, are, are going to really commit and go in full force. So, looking forward to the contributions they can bring to the table, and again, growing the game and, and creating a legacy through this World Cup uh, is a big priority. Chris, last thing for you. What's the next steps for you guys? When do you meet with FIFA again? Kind of just lay out the next couple of months, maybe. Yeah, so we, we made our big presentation, as you know, about two weeks ago now. It was our introductory presentation by, by all stretch of the imagination. It's, it wasn't going to win or lose the World Cup bid for us, but it was a good start. Um, and, you know, we really started communicating all the great things we have going on, including our, our winning through soccer program. Uh, I think things are quiet in Europe right now. It's kind of a vacation time as it is here, but uh, we expect very soon uh, to be receiving lots of requests for information from FIFA on things like our stadiums, our hotels, our airports, and things like that. So it's going to be uh, a lot of information sharing at this point since they can't do site visits into the city. But uh, at some point here when COVID allows, uh, we'll be hosting FIFA. You know, It's planned to be two times in Houston to be able to show them firsthand our capabilities and what we have going on. But in, in the interim, it's it's continuing to develop our plan, put it in place um, and execute the things that we're trying to do locally through our committee, um, you know, while re responding and reacting to everything uh, FIFA is asking for. Raheel, I got to jump in here. I got to thank Chris because he's done so many cool things for me and, and you'll you were a part of it. Uh, when I first started doing sidelines, it was Chris and, and Rocky. Rocky Harris used to be with the Dynamo who helped me give get that chance. And uh, I learned so much 
uh, sitting there watching Dom Kinnear back when they were at Robertson Stadium. I would stand right behind Dom. He'd get very annoyed. I was right by him, but he was he taught me the game <laughs> in a different way. Uh, and, and Chris was very responsible for that. And a year ago, too, really, you'll remember this. Real Madrid played Bayern Munich. Uh, Chris invited me to help moderate a discussion with Lothar Mateus and some some of the guys there from Bayern Munich. And I had such a great time. Uh, and, and I really owe Chris a lot because he has put me in some positions uh, to meet some wonderful people. He allowed me. I shouldn't say this out loud, but who cares? He allowed me to bring my daughters to meet Carly Lloyd. And my daughter, Isla, still wears the jersey. All the time. She practices in it that Carly signed. So uh, Chris has just been great to me, and his love for soccer just kind of pours out, and, and we really appreciate everything you've done for this community, man. Well, thank you, David. Uh, congratulations on all the terrific success that you've had. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to work with you, and uh, it's an enjoyment to see you have so much success. So Thank you, man. I, we appreciate you. Let's talk again on the show, okay? All right, guys. We'll see you. Thanks for having me on. Thank Thanks, you so Chris. much. All right. Chris Kennedy. There he goes. Uh, man, and I, first off, he's just a great guy. Uh, I'll, I'll, every once in a while, I'll just text him just to talk soccer. He's just uh, awesome. I, and I really think Houston has a great chance to get um, uh, a, a World Cup couple games. What do you say? Six, potentially. It'd be mm -hmm. great if that happens. Yeah, you really want those the, the group stage, right? Like, you have six games there. They're all important. And then, I mean, what what if, right? What if you get... Mexico or USA in your pool here in your group games, right? Because um, but they they do rotate the group games around a little bit, so yeah. you could see Mexico, USA a, a few times. So that'd be outstanding. Uh, but that'd be so cool, man! I can't wait, and hopefully FIFA picks us. I mean, like, there's no reason not to. We're come on, we're Houston. We're good at this. We're good at this. Come on. This is look, and he's right though. All mm -hmm. those cities, but I can eliminate a couple right now. Okay. Yeah. Kansas City, ahead. I'm sorry. Bye. You're out. It's a great soccer community, but it doesn't matter. Nobody wants to go to Kansas City. To play a game there. Yeah. Now, Kansas conversely, what they'll tell you is, and we didn't bring this up with um, with Chris, but he told me this a couple weeks back. Um, people complain about the heat here in Houston. Well, it's funny during Chris's presentation to uh, FIFA, they showed the the heat, or excuse me, the temperature in I think it was Boston and New York and somewhere else on the same day. They were hotter than Houston on that particular day. It right. just shows you never know. Uh, hold on, I, let me let me let me be part of the Houston board, okay, real quickly. And FIFA's like, okay, look, we have concerns about the heat, and I just go, guys, you picked Abu Dhabi. <laughs> True. <laughs> I don't ever want to hear about any heat-related concerns ever about hosting uh, the World Cup games here. Okay, stop. Hey, but stop. Those, those games are going to be in November, though, right? Does yeah, they, they, yeah, they, it's so bad during the summer. That you had to push it back, okay? So that come on, okay? That let's not play the heat game here. You guys pick this, and then Boston. Do you, you think people want to be in Boston with that traffic, lack of parking, uh, hotels cost so much over there? Come on, Boston eliminated. Philadelphia, you're only known for Rocky eliminated. All right, there. I just that, cut the list that, down. That, I think that's a little little stretch there. Uh, they're known for more okay. than the roots. Rocky and cheesesteaks. Okay, and the roots. Okay, for us, yes. But although the roots are now known for Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, it's true. But they're from Philadelphia. Yes. Philadelphia Half-Life. You think we lost half our audience on that right there? Yeah, if we did, it's okay. Um, before we go, is do you have, okay, do you have self-awareness uh, about trash talking? Because you trash talk. Like, you talk when we play sports, but do, do you have self-awareness? And the reason I'm asking this is because yesterday... Damian Lillard missed two 
key free throws in the yep. Clippers Trailblazers game. And while he misses them, Pat Beverly starts talking trash. Paul George starts talking trash, mocking the Dame time. Um, you know, he's at two dagger shots. I mean, he sent, he broke up an entire franchise with Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and the Oklahoma City Thunder last year in the first round of the playoffs with the shot. So do you have awareness when you talk trash? Because if I'm Paul George, I'm never talking trash to Dame Lillard because uh, Dame Lillard because I know he has this over my head. Well, I think you have to be aware of the situation and what you won. If you won a eight-game fake regular season matchup where the guy misses a couple free throws, that's not an opportunity mm -hmm. to trash talk. I say that, though. I played soccer this morning with my children, all right, uh, parents versus kids, and <laughs> – uh, we, we played the 12th and I had six of the goals, five of them with my left foot. I'm not bragging or anything. I'm just telling you. And I made sure that Christian Cruz, Annalise, and Isla knew that their 40, soon to be 44 year old father was dominating them. And I don't care if Isla's seven. I don't care if the twins are 12 and Annalise is nine. They needed to know that I still have it. And I, and I let them know every time I said, no, yes, you have to be aware of the situation, but you are who you are. Patrick Beverly is not going to be quiet. Patrick Beverly, come on. I, look, I understand Patrick Beverly. He's going to talk trash no matter what. There's no self-awareness there. That's him. Yeah, that's him. Th that's him, right? Like, that's Pat Bev. But Paul George, Dame, after the game, just pretty much said that, like, come on, I sent him home last year, okay? It, that was on him. It wasn't like he was in the area. By the way, Devin Booker hit another. Paul George gets so many game winners hit on him that there's a compilation tape of him right. getting, like, uh, get game beaters, right? Or uh, buzzer beaters, excuse me. So... Paul George needs to know, like, okay, I can't talk trash. But it doesn't matter because he all he has to do is just post the clip of the shot. And it's like, mm, have some awareness about this. It, it was so bad yesterday that Paul George had to bring up his injury, okay, and, like, the surgeries he had to get. And you're like, that's when you know you shouldn't have to talk trash. When you yeah, have to play the injury card, don't play that card. When was Paul George last really relevant? And I, I don't mean that rudely, but he's mm -hmm. not the Paul George from five years ago. He hasn't been, right? I mean, no. he's got moments. I, I would venture to say Carmelo has been more relevant than Paul George in the last six months. Ooh, Paul George is having a good season. He's having a good season, but you're right. I'm Wait till the playoffs. To, I'm just trying to be a talk show host here and have a hot sports <laughs> <people. Let me laughs> So I just wanted to bring up that Dame Lillard story. I'm like, Paul George, have some awareness. Like, I know I don't talk trash that much, but when I do, I, I talk it with people where I'm like, okay, you can't hold it over my head. I know who to talk trash to because – there's some matchups you just go, yeah, this guy's a little bit better than me. What am I going to do? Hey, can I tell a, a story that I'll probably get in trouble for saying on air, but it's whatever. It's a podcast is what we do. So I'm going to take you back to, what was it, 2015? Is that when Dwight and the Rockets lost in Portland and then Damian Lillard shot? I think it was 2015, right? First round? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, 2014 or 15. I don't know. Whatever I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, dad, my dad is 90, right? He could... I can be, hey, Dad, do you remember blah, blah, blah? He's like, yeah, that was like a 1968, and I was driving a Ford Camaro, and it was red. I don't remember the Rockets roster from last year. Fact. And I work <laughs> in the business. I, I have no memory whatsoever. My, my recall is, is gone to you know what. But I remember this moment well. So I'm, I, I'm at um, – what's the name of the place that the Blazers play? I can't remember anything. Um, uh, at the time, I think it was called Modisoft. Uh, Modi – no, uh, what is it? It used to be called the Rose Garden, right? Rose Garden, okay. Was that like what's in the 80s? I remember stuff from the 80s. I just can't remember stuff from like now. Uh, so I'm there. Uh, the the Rockets take the lead. And, you know, we all know what happens afterwards. Damon Lillard hits the, the biggest shot. And that place went bananas. It was so loud, crazy. Rockets are just mm -hmm. 
they're eliminated. So we go to the locker room to do it. Do you know the story? I don't know this. By the way, it's the Moda Center, M-O-D-A. Moda Center. So we go do the interviews, and uh, obviously the the Rockets locker room is real quiet. And and if you remember in the press conferences afterwards, Dwight and James both made some kind of comments that years back you could look back and say, oh, I think they were talking about each other, but maybe they weren't. They were just talking about there needs to be some changes. So I'm in the locker room, and have you ever heard of a fishpole in the media? Like it's a long um, uh, microphone. Extender, yeah. Yeah, it looks like a fishpole, right? Yeah. I'm, uh, we're talking to Chandler Parsons, okay? If, am I remembering it correctly? Wasn't Chandler the one who was supposed to be he on? He was day? late, yeah. He was yeah. late on the on the defense there. So we're interviewing Chandler Parsons, all right? And I imagine this fishpole. I don't know if you can see it on the video. And, and, and like it's real quiet. It looked like he had, I don't know if cry is the right word, but he was definitely not happy. And somebody bumps me from behind, and this here goes the fish pull. The little uh, cotton, not cotton, the little part on the covers the microphone on his face while we're interviewing. And it looks like I did it. Somebody pushed me from behind, and it's just like it's like the, the microphone's rubbing across his face, and he gives me this look. It, I, I, I was, I believe I was there with Damien. I hope Damien's listening. Maybe he can chime in. And he just does this. And like it was one of those Larry David moments where I wanted to be like, it wasn't me. It was the guy behind me. He pushed me. What am I? Eh. You know, it was, like, it was the worst. And and you know, things in the world. Do you still have tape of this? I'm sure we can find it in the archives. But please pull it, it was, up. Please find it. It really like it hurt my heart. Like because like this poor guy just got eliminated. I thought he was like the next big thing in Houston. He wasn't. Uh, and, and it was just like a microphone. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't just like a tap. It was like a. Oh my gosh! Please find it. You need, you need to call in a favor. Get the archive team to find this, please, because we need to play it next week. We need to play it on Thursday. By the way, if you're still listening, make sure you subscribe to the podcast page on Apple, Spotify. Yeah, right? yeah. You can actually subscribe to the audio. Just look up "No Layups" with David Nuno and Raheel Ramzanali. There is another "No Layups" podcast, but you'll see us. They don't have our glamour shots on it, so make sure Wait, you subscribe to the right one. Somebody else with the No Layups podcast name? Yeah, unfortunately, somebody else has it. That's why I had to put No Layups with David Nuno and Rahil Ramzanali. Well, I got you. I got you. Um, yeah. So next time we see Damien, let's ask him about that because I'm pretty sure Damien was my photographer for that. And uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, Chandler Parsons doesn't like me after that, um, and I apologize, Chandler. It wasn't my fault. It's a fish pole. That's what happens. Oh, that would be so embarrassing for our nine listeners left. There's nothing worse than going into an, a, a locker room of a team that's been eliminated in the playoffs and having to ask dumb questions. For those who don't know, we in the media have to ask dumb questions because we can't answer for you. I can't be like, you know, so when people are like, how do you expect us to feel? Of course we lost. We feel terrible. But I need you to tell me that. I can't say, hey, Chandler Parsons feels bad. He didn't tell me that, but I assume he does. Back mm -hmm. to you, Jim. It's, you know, you got to ask. So, hey, you know, so imagine every time the Texans have lost. Imagine I wasn't in Kansas City after that debacle, one of the most embarrassing, and they've had a lot of embarrassing losses. Uh, can you imagine having to go to those players? And, and that's the fear. Conversely, one of the best things to do is, Raheel, did you, I don't think you did because you were doing more radio stuff. Um, did you ever go in the Astros Clubhouse when they won divisions and championships mm -hmm. stuff like that no i i wouldn't go in here i was there but i wouldn't go in because i don't want i i hate that i hate that celebration nothing better and i'm gonna tell you which one and then we're gonna end the show uh 
when was 2015 again? Great year for me. I believe the Astros beat the Yankees in the wild card. Am I correct in, on this? 2015? Yep. In New York. Yep. In New York. I was there. Um, and I went live from the, and I think we broke every MLB rule or they changed the rule after we were live in the clubhouse with the celebration. Like, and I was interviewing people, those guys, they were all kids, right? I mean, Correa was literally, what was he 20, 19 years old when they did yep. that? Um, McCullers, all these guys. And I had such, that was fun, more fun than the world series celebrations that I was a part of. When I say a part of that was, uh, or, you know, a mole. Covering, yeah. yeah, I was there. Uh, but the, the championship celebrate, there's nothing. You can't ask a dumb question. What does this mean to you? Oh, my God. It means greatness. Uh, you lose. What does this mean to you? Why are you asking me that, bro? What do you think do you it means? Yeah, it's like, what do you mean? What do you? What does it mean to me? It means that I lost the game. And this is professionally a heartbreaking time for me. Last one for you. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm full of nostalgia today. Give, give me good stories. Give them. Here's a good one. Arian Foster. Now, you know that Arian has been great to us always, right? Mm-hmm. Some people in the media weren't big fans of Arian. He was one of my go-to guys. Uh, was, always treated, huh? I would say us two were his first media friends in Houston. Absolutely. Uh, he was practice squad. He wasn't even a starter. We yeah. had him on our radio show because we were the practice squad radio show. And uh, Arian was always good to me. That rude. You know, sometimes he didn't want an interview, but he was always great. I'll take you back to the Texans versus Seattle. The year, I don't know, but the one that Richard Sherman – did the pick six on Matt Schaub. You know which one I'm talking about, right? Yep. And I believe that is the year that they went, what was it, 2-14? Yep. Uh, so that was 2014, right? Right. You're just going to agree with that. No, 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 it is. You're right. It is. Okay. Uh, so I get a call from my then news director, or we get a text, and it says, ask them if they still believe in Matt Schaub. Okay. They just lost the game on a pick six to Richard Sherman, and I got to ask that. Who's the first guy we interview? Arian Foster, you know, and it's one of those like, you know, there's certain media members that always get those first or two questions in and you're like, you got to wait. Like, all right, let me let, let the old timers get it. And then you get your turn. If I remember correctly, nobody wanted to ask questions this day. And like I first question, I believe out of the gate, Arian, do you still believe in Matt Schaub? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> really? Really? You're going to ask me that now here? Like. I think he said some other words. He was not happy with me. So those those are a couple of uh, in the locker room. Am, am I allowed to do these stories? I think so, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's uh, it, It's been five years. I think the uh, statute of limitations have passed. You're good. He's uh, he's always been great to me. I, I got nothing but love for Arian. So there you go. Chandler Parsons, microphone in the face. Um, Arian Foster, Matt Schaub. And what was the other one? The other one was uh, celebrations in the Astros locker room. Oh, those are all great. So there we go. Okay, so you need to favorite- find that clip. You can't. Talk about the Chandler Parsons clip and not find it. Or somebody, if you're listening, look it up on YouTube and see if we can get it. Because we have to play that next week. Yeah, I'll ask Damien. He may have the, the – I mean, it was six years ago, right? He, he may have the card or he may know how to find it. Uh, but, yeah, for now on when I do this, we all know. It's going to be our logo of our show. Yeah. No layups. Microphone in the face. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I could say some things right now. But I don't want to get in trouble. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I'm going to end the show on this. (laughs) All right. Uh, If you want to listen to the audio side of this, make sure you find us on Apple. Uh, And if you are listening to the audio right now, thank you so much. We appreciate you guys supporting the show. And make sure you share it with your friends. Let's get the subscribers up. If you're listening now, okay, 56 minutes into the show and you're actually listening, do us a favor, bro and bruh and and cuz and my friends, my peoples. That was very not cool. Um, Just share it and tell your friends to share it, right? Because, like, 
we want to keep doing this show, but if people aren't watching, we ain't going to do the show, right? Yeah. That's just how it works. Is, it, is that is that fair? Yeah, it's Advice all on, yeah. Your, our success depends on your shareability. That's it. And, and thank you for interacting with the show. And CJ, I appreciate you always chiming in on the show. Houston Rockers, the Sacramento Kings, Houston Rockets. Rockets win tonight. Boom. All right, David, I'll talk to you on Thursday. All right, man. Later.